welcome everybody to the Love Evolved podcast. This is Leanne. I'm a holistic psychologist living in Los Angeles, specializing in love, sex, and relationships. And I use a unique combination of therapy and breath work with clients to really cut the work in half. It's been phenomenal to see since combining these two modalities how the work can go so much faster because breathwork really gets to the heart of the matter. So if you're new to breathwork and you want some samples, I can send you some audios. Just reach out via email. You can also message me on Instagram. I'm really passionate about spreading the healing power of breathwork. It's completely changed my life and so many of my clients feel the same way. And so this podcast focuses on high-level relationships, in particular conscious relationships, spiritual partnership, and divine union. And so there's many, many topics and episodes that cover these things. In particular, episode two is a really good place to start if you just want a general overview of what I mean when I say conscious relationships. It's a quick 20-minute introduction, and it's also my most popular podcast. And so in particular, on this podcast, I really focus on healing the relationship between men and women, which is my mission. And it's been a really deeply personal journey that has led me to this being my mission in the world. And so I speak a lot about that if you follow me. And if any of these topics are new to you, when I say conscious relationships, divine union, you can always follow me on Instagram where I post frequently and I share resources and I talk about all of these things. And you can also message me or email me directly with any comments or questions, especially if you need support. Again, I work with clients all over the world over Zoom. I also see people in person here in LA, so please reach out. So welcome to episode 24, and I just realized that with this podcast being just over a year old, that episode 24 means that I've actually done, on average, at least two podcasts a month, and I'm actually quite proud of myself for that because so many of you who also have your own podcast know that it's a lot of work. But I have to say that out of everything that I do in terms of content production, this is one of my favorite things. And this episode where I'm joined by Michael Holt, each and every time that I have one of these incredible conversations, I just cannot wait to publish the episode. And so I actually just met with him yesterday and I told him it would be out today, the next day, because I'm always so excited to get these conversations out. And so this is an incredible episode where I'm titling it Masculine Vitality. And I hope the women actually stick around to listen to this because I actually think this is a great episode for both men and women to listen to. I'll explain more in a little bit. So for those of you who don't know Michael's work, I will read his bio for you because I can't wait for you all to get to know him and his work. And so he is a holistic health expert, a masculine vitality specialist, and founder of Savage and Saint. And side note, I absolutely love his name. It, for me, represents the beautiful inner union piece, which many of you know that I'm quite obsessed with. And so Michael serves elite performers in the cultivation of vitality depth of consciousness, and performance excellence. And his extensive background in meditation, martial arts, 
Western psychology, core shamanism, holistic health, and exercise science combine to form a unique mind-body pedagogy that is trusted by top-tier executives, founders, athletes, artists, and entertainers worldwide. So this episode is focused on the topic of masculine vitality, which also happens to be the name of his group program for men that's starting next month, February 2023. And so if you're a man listening, I highly encourage you to take a look. There's a link in the show notes to the program. And this topic of masculine vitality is really important in these times. And so this is kind of why I really feel like this is for everybody. It's not just for men to listen to because the health of all of us impacts everybody. And so we're living in a time where many people are not well physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And it's a huge liability in my eyes when our men are not at their best. And of course, as women, we have our own health to look after, but there's definitely a link that I see between men who are not doing well and a society that is weak and easily manipulated. When men are not strong and healthy and can't take a stand for what is right as protectors and shapers of society, it really leaves us collectively vulnerable. And so in our episode, we talk a lot about meditation, martial arts, and what it means to be an integrated man. There's a lot that's packed into this rich conversation. We also speak about how mothers can support their sons, how women can support their men, and why men and women are very different, and that's by design, and it's perfect. So please reach out to either of us with any comments or questions about anything that we speak about today, and definitely check the show notes for ways that you can connect with both Michael and I. So I hope that you enjoy this episode, and I'll talk to you soon. Michael, I'm so happy to have you on today. I thought we could just get started by having you share a little brief introduction of who you are and what the work is that you do. Um, yeah, happy to, and thank you for having me. Uh, I work as a holistic health practitioner, which is a kind of an intentionally vague term for all the work that I do. Um, I have a lot of tools in the toolbox. I have a large kind of swath of study with regard to physical health, meditation, martial art, um, contemplative practice, breath work, and, um, Really, I would say the work that I offer boils down to solidifying and healing one's relationship with himself. Because when that relationship is in order, um, you quite naturally want to take care of yourself the way you would care for somebody that you love and respect. And that is the cultivation of well-being. So I didn't necessarily set out to work with just men. But that's just the way the cookie crumbled. Um, I find that, you know, the, the majority of individuals that come to me that are interested in my work are men. And I enjoy working with men. So I have a one-on-one -on -one consulting practice. Um, and I also have a group facilitation men's work that I do. And I work with companies and organizations of people that want to optimize their performance and productivity. And I also moonlight in the field of executive protection. 
Oh, wow. That's incredible. So yeah. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing your personal story that kind of led you to this work, because I know for so many of us that um, do work in the world, it was born out of either going through hard times or there's some kind of personal story behind it. So would you, is there a personal story? And oh, there's you, no, personal story. no, I've never had any hard times. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, my path has been 100% motivated by my own suffering. And, you know, my my most important client to this day remains myself. And everything that I've learned, I've learned in an effort to help myself out. You know, when I, when I look back uh, to years ago in a different chapter of my life, I was really struggling quite a bit interpersonally. Um, I didn't really have any love for the man in the mirror. I didn't know how to take care of myself. I was unaware that there was a whole bunch of emotional trauma and gunk bubbling beneath the surface of my awareness that was dictating my course of action in the world and just kept getting me into trouble. I was regulating those painful emotions with alcohol and with drugs and numbing out. And then, you know, as I think is typical for men, uh, young men in particular, you know, I had a, a, an experience with a lot of violence in the streets and that led me into run-ins with the law and they were happening with free, with greater and greater frequency. And I just kind of had this come to Jesus moment where it was like, man, uh, the writing is on the wall and my future looks very, very bleak if I don't correct this course. I think my operating system at that time in my life was that at some future point, this these problems will just kind of sort themselves out and my wild youth will resolve itself. But I got to be about 22, 23 years old and I just kept getting in trouble and I realized that you know, it's not just going to happen. You have to make it happen. And so, um, yeah, I I started this healing journey of getting right within myself. And it worked, you know, I'm not, I don't sit here in front of you today claiming to be like, have it all figured out. I still have hard days and I still have work to do, but I know what I've lived through and I know what I'm living now. And there's a very large gap between the two. And so now I look back at the, you know, the, the difficult chapters that I endured and I recognize that that was part of my journey. I had to go through that myself so I could directly experience firsthand what it is to be in the shit and to really actually hate the, your own reflection in the mirror. And so when I work with people who are in that space still, I know the path forward because I've walked it myself. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And so you mentioned there was this come to Jesus moment, right, for you. And um so for maybe men who are listening, who might be struggling, what would you say to them? Like, what, what was the first thing that you, you know, started kind of doing on your healing path that really made a difference, made an impact on you? I mean, fitness played a big role. Getting myself into the gym. I was an, I was an athlete in my younger years. And then around the age of 18, 19, I stopped with competitive sports. And I think there was a bit of an emptiness there. And uh, I lost myself and getting summoning the discipline to get back in the gym was very useful. Um, and then 
obviously, I think the number one critical thing was the practice of meditation. I mean, my mind was so difficult to manage. My experience of myself was so difficult to be in that meditation seemed like a good idea. I have teachers who lecture and say that most people who are called to um, uh, like a rigorous spiritual inquiry occupy one of two populations. If you extrapolate everybody along a bell curve, at one end of the continuum, you have people who are really suffering, who just can't seem to get it together. And then at the other end, the other extreme end are people who have it all, you know, from the outside looking in, it's like, wow, you have what everybody wants. In the middle there, it's like life is neutral. It's there are good moments. There are not so good moments, but there's no real impetus to catalyze a deep inquiry. And so I was on the far end of things where I was like, man, meditation at least can't make this any worse. If, if this, if this could help me, then I'll give it a try. And so I'd read a few books. And at this point I was still living in Philadelphia and I started to cultivate a, a daily practice as best I understood it. And I sought out some teachers in Philadelphia. I didn't really find anybody that vibed with me, but at that point I decided to move to Los Angeles with no real master plan. I just had the opportunity. I had a friend who was living out here and I had come to visit him and I could just feel in my soul that the time it was time for me to change my environment because I knew I needed to make some pretty significant changes and that would be difficult to do if I was remaining in the environment that I was in. And so when I got to Los Angeles, I had the good fortune of basically, you know, just falling backwards into the laps of really, really good meditation teachers who led me to a few other teachers. And I established a daily practice as best I could. Some days I missed my routine, as, as we all do. But um, I started to feel a little bit of space, a little less reactive. And the fruits of the practice started to blossom. And I thought, okay, there's something to this. And then the, you know, I felt like, okay, I would like to go on a meditation retreat, three days, silent, traditional Buddhist practice. And nothing particular, that was like a, a pretty hard edge for me at the time to think, wow, three days of no talking and just meditating. That sounded, actually, it sounded crazy to me. And there was a lot of like, personal identity stuff like I was out at Joshua Tree and the inner critic was telling me that I'd become some LA hippie and what happened to me I'm from Philly if my boys could see me now oh my god felt like I, would, I lost my marbles and nothing particularly transcendent occurred over the course of the three days I mean it was mostly just me trying to wrangle my own mind and failing again and again and again at concentrating it wasn't enjoyable necessarily, um, but on the other end of the retreat, I noticed that life unfolded a little bit differently. Again, there was more spaciousness, less reactivity. There was a new perspective emerging on my own life and my own mind. And so that three-day meditation retreat led to a full week, led to two weeks, led to pretty consistent meditation retreat practice, you know, one, two, three a year over the course of the last probably 12 or 13 years. And uh, it's really just been an indispensable kind of aspect of my healing journey. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I totally, I really, I resonate with some parts of your story. I, I had a real history with drugs and alcohol for a long time in my younger years. And actually the the thing that you said about just getting yourself out of that environment, I can really relate to because that was a big part of it for me too, actually removing myself from that lifestyle and even that friend group. Um, and yeah, for me exercising and and starting that was hugely important, but then also just like you said, I was like, wow, if my friend, like I had to sneak around to like go into the gym because I was so afraid that people would see me. In fact, um, years ago when I was still in Philly and this would have been, I mean, almost 20 years ago when I was trying to get myself together and, uh, I went to a yoga class, hot yoga. And nowadays, I mean, everyone goes to yoga. Dudes go to yoga. But at this time in that part of, in that neighborhood I was living in, it was like my dirty little secret. I went into the yoga studio like, like a celebrity hiding from paparazzi. Buddies, I was like, bro, I got to tell you something. And he's like, what's up? Like, you can't tell anybody, man. Like, you can't tell anyone. Like, what? What's up? I'm like, bro, I'm doing yoga. He's like, what? <laughs> Told all boys, and then I get ridiculed for it. But it's just funny the way you know culture has shifted. Oh, that's so funny, and um, I, I definitely can relate to your story because I was so fixated on that identity of like me is like just like I could party like harder than anyone, and so I was so fixated on that for all sorts of reasons. But anyway, it's funny. We have a lot in common. So I actually, I wanted to kind of, um, I wanted to ask you about your name, right? Savage and Saint. I feel like, um, like I love that name because for me, it represents a real integration and maybe the integrated man. And so I would like to hear your story around that name. Yeah. So, you know, that's my, that's the name of my company. That's the name of my brand for lack of a better word but it's really a living philosophy that i it's the way that i live and it's a central theme in the way that i teach and basically the premise is that you know for a man to reach his fullness to fully heal to become whole requires capacity and savagery and saintliness those seemingly opposite poles the savage speaks to like a a heroic determination to improve yourself, to improve the world, to conquer your own fears and your own inadequacies and your weaknesses in spite of all obstacles, always in all ways to be relentless. Um, But that's not enough on its own. It needs to be leavened by a saintly capacity to unconditionally lovingly accept yourself as you are right now in this very moment in spite of and because of all of your perceived flaws. And so when those two are balanced, you find yourself at this middle point and there's a great reservoir of energy available there to propel you forward on the path that you deem to be meaningful. But if it's all savage, then you're buying into this illusion and delusion that there's some future moment where you'll be able to accept yourself that is conditioned or dependent upon some external achievement. And if it's all saint, if it's all just kumbaya, namaste, here we are, love and light, it's hard to trust that. 
you know, it's hard to it's hard to get anything done in that space. You know, you if if there's work that you came here to do, if there are changes that you need to make, you will need to contact uh, discipline. You will need to contact a savage determination to make it happen. And so the way I the way I see it, you know, a man's practice should be contacting both of those poles every day. And then you can wait for life to determine to tell you which which embodiment is most appropriate in a given moment to play all the notes between savage and sane and then just show up as either a ferocious warrior or a bodhisattva to be able to do it all right and that reminds me of just this beautiful i mean if i'm obsessed with divine union yin and yang it's the integration integrated as men as women and so what would you say like i really want to hear what you have to think about this huge divide especially like within men you know there's these two groups you have like these guys who just want to go back to like i don't know the old days and maybe just be like savages but then you have like all these new age guys over here and there's not a lot of men who actually are are integrated i would love to hear your thoughts on that yeah, well, that's the movement that I'm trying to spearhead, you know, <laughs> to create those men who are capable of you know, being intense, but equally capable of being gentle and loving. It's not an either or kind of thing. Both are critical. Right. Um, the people in your life will benefit both from the, your sense of purpose, direction and discipline and from your capacity to be gentle, to be peaceful, to be at ease, to be calm. It's both are required. Yeah. And if you, you know, a very like uh, surface level interpretation would be sab- of Sabin Singh. Would be, I don't know if I mentioned before, but I'm a martial artist. I have experience in competitive kickboxing and I teach martial arts. I teach Muay Thai. I teach Filipino martial art and are called Penchoxilat and self-defense. So it's easy to say that, okay, savage is punches and kicks, knees and elbows, and sane is meditation. But really, I mean, to anyone who has endeavored to cultivate a, a meditation practice, you'll know that you need to be a savage to, <laughs> your mind is not going to, you're not going to want to sit still. You're going to want to scroll Instagram or do whatever everyone else does. It's, it requires discipline. So it's like, you know, you could even say the real savages, you encounter a wise elder, a wise teacher who has years and years and years of contemplative practice. And they have these bright, smiling eyes and this gentle affect. That's a savage because they've achieved that by just relentlessly showing up to their practice for years and years and years. So, you know, it's it's nothing necessarily brand new, this idea. It's just a, a new twist on a on the ancient idea of yin and yang. Right. And I was scrolling your Instagram and I'm happy that you mentioned that last little bit because I love what you said about Mr. Rogers. That was so incredible. Oh, that's a real savage, man. A real savage. I love that. Okay. So for people who didn't read that, what did you say in that post? Uh, basically, I just use him as an exemplar of someone who has just practiced gentility, practiced love time and time again. There's nothing special about that man. He wasn't born to be that way. He cultivated that. 
with a relentless discipline to the point where it just became his baseline. Um, it doesn't just happen to somebody. He's not just lucky. He made that happen. Right. He came to a place where there's this recognition that, oh, my feeling state, I can exercise some kind of stewardship over that. I'm actually responsible for this vibration that I'm emitting and sharing with the other people here on in life. And he was a rare one who said, okay, come what may, I choose love. And he made that decision hundreds of thousands of times a day, every single day. That's, that's savage. You know, you, savage is not muscles, tattoos, and, you know, being a tough guy at the bar. That's actually, you know, I've, I've, I've walked enough miles here and I've, I've lived that expression myself. And so when I see a guy like that, I see a, 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 a wounded little boy mm -hmm. who's afraid, who needs a hug. Yeah. And he's trying to keep everybody away. You know, I've lived that myself. So the, dig the deeper you dig, the more you recognize that actually the real warriors here, the real savages are the individuals who are opening their hearts. Yeah, I love that so much. And I also think about like, if I think about the world right now, just as this cauldron, so much to say about what's going on right now, collectively, but I feel like what we need right now more than ever is actually discipline. Because I feel like we're being dragged down into this, um, the pleasure realms over and over again. And it's like a little bit of that is okay. But like you said, it has to be a balance. And so right now I, I see that that's really missing. Yeah, that's... Uh... You know, I'm offering a, a men's course coming up in the middle of February. It's called Masculine Vitality. And the next line is freedom through discipline. So you're right. We There, there is a uh, momentum that's just taking us toward a fleeting attention span and convenience over everything. And you really have to summon a... a a strong resolve to not get caught up in that momentum. And, you know, it's like, I don't like to, to paint a nihilistic view of things, but if you really look around, how many people do you see in our culture in this modern era who are really, really alive, vitally healthy, fully well, you know, it's the exception to the rule. It's it's to the point where it, when you encounter somebody like that, it leaves an impression because it's so rare. <laughs> yes. So if you want that for yourself and anybody could claim it, you have to be willing to do things that most people don't do. Because if you do the same things that everyone does, then you're going to look, feel, think like everyone else does. So, yeah, discipline is required. Now, at a certain point on the path, I believe that discipline must then be surrendered. Because discipline becomes its own prison. And there is, you know, I think that discipline must be allowed to mature into harmony. Discipline is like, I would so much rather be doing something else, but I'll do this <laughs> for my own good. But if you do that enough times and you start to actually reap the benefits of disciplined behavior, then there's less friction in getting yourself to do the right thing because you're, you've you're tasting the fruit of your practice. And so you, you enter this space where 
the thing that's best for you and the thing that you want to do are the same thing. And that's a harmful way of being in harmony with yourself and your life. But to get there, you must cultivate discipline. And I think most individuals lack discipline. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really glad that you mentioned uh, masculine vitality. I was going to ask you to get into that. So speak a little bit more, like tell us what it's all about. Like how long is it? What do you get into? Yeah, it'll be a 12 week course. We're going to be connecting on Monday nights online, um, February 13th to May 1st. And I can recollect in my own life, knowing that I need to make some changes but I don't know where to start. There's so much information out there. I know that this way that I'm living is not, it feels off, but I don't, I don't know where to start. So there's this paralysis by analysis and then you don't do anything. And this is the same kind of thing that I encounter with my clients that I work with one-on-one. So the problem is that, um, you know, most of us are just leaking energy. We, Our lives, we're very busy and our lives require more energy than we cultivate. So we're spending from an account that is, you know, we're spending on credit basically. And sooner or later, if you're spending energy that you don't have, I mean, you can slog it out for a little while, but sooner or later, you're going to get sick. You're going to get injured. You're going to get depressed. You're just not going to be able to soldier on. So if you understand the tenets of well-being, and the principles of cultivating energy, and you live in a way that's in alignment with them, then you start to cultivate more energy than your day requires, and then you have excess creative power. And it's not difficult to do. The rules are very simple. I mean, learn to exercise some degree of volition over where your mind wanders moment by moment. Have you ever noticed that you can think your way into some pretty shitty feelings? Everyone does that. You don't have to do that. You can train yourself to stop doing that. You can train yourself to think your way into positive states of mind. You can train yourself to not think at all and to just abide. You can learn how to concentrate. You can cultivate the skills required for fruitful meditation practice. You can learn how to breathe. Well, what the hell are you talking about? I know how to breathe. I'm breathing right now. But if you understand the fundamentals of breath, a functional breath, then most people will have to determine that they're not breathing well. And if you're not breathing well, then you're not getting energy. Furthermore, if you have a shallow habitual breath, which most people do, if you know what to look for, just have a look at people and you see that most people breathe like this. Their shoulders come up and down and the breath really only gets down to the chest and back up. So there's the whole pelvic floor and lower abdomen that is just starved of breath. And you start to charge that thing up. The eyes open a little wider. You get a little bounce in your step because when your breath is shallow, there's a there's a subtle message that you're sending to your body every moment that something's off. There's not enough. I feel good. And then you chase all these things in the external world thinking that they're the root of your anxiety, but really you just need to learn how to breathe. So stabilize your mind. Learn how to concentrate. Learn how to breathe. Sleep. Understand the importance of sleep. Sleep is free medicine. And it's the best medicine available to you. So if you sleep well, a lot of your mental, emotional problems just unwind. Drink clean water, eat real food, and move your body. None of that is complicated. It's very simple. But 
to tell someone that they have to do all of these things at once, it's like too much too soon. So I've developed the curriculum. I've developed the course for average dudes who have kids, who have wives, who have jobs. They don't have the luxury that I do of like spending three or four hours every day in my practice of vitality. So we're just going to introduce these lifestyle modifications slowly and steadily over the course of 12 weeks at a rate that's easy to metabolize and integrate into your life. And you find that the more you start to stick to these principles, practices, and disciplines, the more vital energy you start to cultivate. The more vital energy you start to cultivate, the more you put into your health and wellness practices. The more energy you put in your health and wellness practices, the more energy you get. And now you just find yourself living in this positive feedback loop of vitality, creative energy, flow. You want to kick the sheets off in the morning and get to work. That's how I feel. And that's what I want to share with people. So everyone's invited. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I, I wonder if there's a female version somewhere. (laughs) Um, it's what I would love to talk to you about. Sorry, go ahead. I said, maybe that's your calling, Leanne. Uh, Well, I I did used to be a personal trainer and we could literally talk for so long because I would love to hear your thoughts about, um, obviously we're humans and have like sleep is important for me too, but, um, there's differences between men's bodies and women's bodies, obviously. Right. And so, um, that we don't have to get into that now. Cause I feel like that's going to just go into a whole thing, but, uh, but maybe one day we can have that conversation, but, um, what did I want to say? I really actually want to hear your thoughts on the newsletter that I kind of connected with you on. The title of it was being ungovernable. Um, and so when I read that, yeah, I really liked that, um, that title. And so I want you to actually talk to us about what that means to you. Yeah. Um, basically this idea of becoming ungovernable is connecting to your own inner compass. You know, there's a guru that lives inside your belly that you can connect to. And the way you connect to that inner wisdom that knows your course, that knows what's true and knows what's bullshit is to um, live in a way that's aligned with nature. You know, if you give your body what it needs, the human body is the most highly biologically attuned instrument in a known universe. It is an absolute miracle what the human body is capable of. Just don't fuck it up. But modern culture just totally fucks it up. And this innate intelligence that we have is just muted based on the way that we live. And so because that inner intelligence is muted, we allow the powers that be to tell us how to think, who's right, who's wrong, what's good, what's bad. We we're like children who listen to mommy and daddy. We're, we're, we're governed. Governed means controlled. So becoming ungovernable is the revolutionary act of our times really. For me, it's like when I look back on on earlier chapters of my life, I I was very angry. And I think there's a lot of people who who experience that when they look at the state of the world and the unfair kind of practices of government and pharmaceutical industry and religion. And it's like all this stuff, it'll drive you crazy and you just want to fight against it. Um, It makes you angry, but that anger will burn you. And so the way to the way to fight, you know, the fight of our of, of this of these days is to become well, to channel all of that 
anger around the way things are into yourself and get yourself together. Mm. Get yeah. yourself in order. Your revolution is your daily life. If you don't like the way things are, then look at the way you participate in the way things you are and stop participating. You know, Ooh. the real revolution, like I said, is to become healthy, happy, whole and well in a culture where that's not the norm. And that's really the best way to help. If you want to help people who are suffering, then you need to start having a look at the ways that you suffer and the ways that you contribute to your suffering. And by the way, like I said earlier, those are very simple. It's not complicated. It's not necessarily easy, but it's not complicated. Sit still in quiet contemplation. Start to to get familiar with yourself at deeper levels. You are much more than you think you are. I promise you. Breathe, sleep, drink real clean water, eat real clean organic food and move your body. It's simple. And as you do that for a consistent period of time, the stuff that you are the stuff that makes you starts to change. You become healthy and you can think clearly for yourself and you become ungovernable. And the more of us that take claim that responsibility of getting ourselves in order, you can't change the world. You can't change the world, but you can change yourself. And in doing that, that is the most effective way to, to catalyze change in the world. But really, the responsibility is squarely on each individual's plate. So I don't think so much about collective issues. I like to boil it all down to the individual. I like that. What, what I, first of all, what you said is very, very powerful and even gives me things to think about because sometimes I, yeah, I have like a warrior inside me too. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I feel that anger sometimes can like both activate me in an incredible way, but then also burn me out. Um, So I love what you say, but you know, what really stood out to me with what you said was um, how you started out saying the body has an innate wisdom. And I love that so much because so much of what I hear, you know, in the biohacking world, for example, is like at war with the body, like trying to like overcome the body or like hack it. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that summation. I, I wouldn't consider myself as a biohacker. Yeah, I think I'm inclined more to talk about coming in a right relationship with your body, to coming into harmony with nature and, and living in accordance with those principles. Again, with regard primarily to the food that you eat. Uh, and you, you kind of see the same thing. You can see the same tendency in uh, spiritual circles where it's like the, the body or the ego is this enemy to be eradicated or disidentified with. But the path is through your ego and through your body. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to uh, experience transcendent states of non-duality, no self, if you would like to push your consciousness beyond the confines of your own body, you would first have to fully inhabit your body. Down to your little toes, down to the edges of your fingers down to all that emotional stuff that's happening. So the path is through the body, not it's, it's not an obstacle. And for me, I mean the a central tenet of the message that I that I live and teach is that physical health and well-being cannot be divorced from uh, progress on the spiritual path. 
healthier your body, the, the deeper the insights that you'll have on, in your practice. The deeper the insights that you have in your practice, the more intelligently you can be in relationship with your body. Absolutely. I mean, they're all so connected, right? The physical, emotional, mental, spiritual realms. They're so, so yeah. connected. I mean, you, I'll give anybody a million dollars who can show me where the mind stops and the body starts or where the body starts and the mind stops. <laughs> right. They're, they're, they're the, the same thing. Well, actually, I love that you say this because, I mean, I'm such a dork when it comes to women's work, men's work, all this stuff, spiritual paths. Um, there's a lot of spiritual paths that are more masculine that do actually bypass the body. Like you just said it, right? Um, but yeah. I I love that you work from this. Well, I'm not surprised considering, you know, your your framework, Savage and Saint, that you would be more integrated in that way. I'll say quickly, you know, I also have an extensive background in fitness and martial arts. So somatic intelligence are critical components of those paths, especially in martial arts. Like sensitivity is a word that a lot of dudes would just roll their eyes at or sensitivity somehow is, has a connotation to like being a new age, spiritual, weepy kind of a guy. But sensitivity is just the capacity to feel. It's just the capacity to glean information from your environment, whether that be your own body or the bodies of people around you or whatever. And in martial arts, sensitivity is critical because the sensitivity of the martial artist, you can perceive energy of your opponent and and discern in a moment, it, what, is he trying to push me? Is he trying to pull me? How do I respond to this? So, yes, yeah, sensitivity is required and, and somatic connection to somatic wisdom is required. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you cultivate that in a dojo, in a martial art practice, it doesn't just go away when you're out there being a personal planet Earth. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And like, so I, I've been um, doing Krav Maga for 15 years and I started that oh, initially. Wow. Oh, well, I started it initially because I was really such a pushover. Like I mm-hmm. like back then I started when I was 29. Now I'm 44, but I started really really specifically because I knew that I needed to actually develop a backbone. (laughs) And so it's very interesting because as I've been practicing, like the energetic imprint in your field, like you literally take it with you out of the world. And it's like, and maybe you can speak to this because it's kind of like, I forgot um, someone was telling me, is it Wu Wei or what is the term where you like literally walk down the street and you're like bulletproof? Uh, Wu Wei, I think, is a term from Taoism that's like a spontaneous right action or um, action through non-action. Okay, maybe that's not it. But do do you know what term I'm talking about? It's like it's like you carry it in your field such that like people won't even nobody will fuck with you. Well, yeah, it's not, I, I think what you're hinting toward it's not that you like become bulletproof or invincible or but you do walk in a way that just communicates that you're not a victim. And if you're looking, if an individual is looking for a victim, just simply the way that you glide through the world based on your posture and just your energy would communicate to, okay, this would not be an ideal victim. Right. But if you're kind of sheepishly moving through the world and uh, and afraid, then that's an energy that attracts, you know, it's reciprocal. Right. And so for me, the martial art path has been and continues to be you know, 
really a profound part of my my way and my healing especially i think you know we can talk a bit about the mixed messaging that men get around you have to be tough or but don't be a brute and it don't be toxic whatever that even means and there's an inborn aggression in every man that is we've evolved to you know be with through years and years of you know our ancestors who lived in a different way than we did and we don't have an outlet for that nowadays and right. so if it's not given permit if you're not if you don't if you're not expressing that then it's going to be turned backward against you and it's going to come out sideways the people in your life and so martial art is basically a playground for that very natural part of a man where you get to just kind of, all right, let's get to it. Let's spar. Let's go hard. Let's, let's exorcise all of this gunk. And real martial artists will all report that the more skillful that you get in the application of violence, the less it even occurs to you when you're out in the world. You don't look for trouble. You don't have anything to prove to anybody. The guy who is most effective in combat is the guy who's least likely to take it there. And so the paradox of the martial artist is that the more violent you can be, the less violent you are. Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think it's really, I think everyone should do martial arts, but um, oh my gosh, there, yeah, there's so much that we can talk about. I feel like we don't have enough time, but you know, actually that's a good segue because I kind of wanted to like zoom out to um, talking about like men's sort of, how do we frame this? My question for you that I have, I should just look at my notes. It says, what do you think that men need the most support with these days? The first thing that comes to mind is uh, support in cultivating a, a healthy relationship with themselves. You know, on the individual level, I really believe that all a man shares with the world is boiled down to his relationship with himself. If there are parts of you you cannot accept or there are parts of you that you've abandoned or there's parts of you that you're cut off from and don't feel, that's what you share with the people in your life. And the way you look at yourself, the way you really see yourself, the way you really feel about yourself, that's the lens that you look at the world through. So men need support in cultivating a healthy relationship with themselves and with all of their parts, with integrating the light and the dark and standing in a way and living in a way that is the full expression of who they are. So I would say self-acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. And so how, why do you think it's gotten out of order? It's easy to, to say that things are out of order and these times are so dark and that's partially true. But I don't know that there ever was a time when this wasn't the case. You know, hasn't every human being who ever lived thought that, wow, when did it come to this? How did we get here? So it's always a mixture of beauty and the ugly parts. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, we've never been better. We have a lot of work to do. Again, these conversations are difficult because for me, really, I think the real utility is individual responsibility. So rather yeah. than sit and say, how did it come to this? Or what do we need to change to make a, a huge cultural shift? Or how can we correct this course? The answer is come back to the individual level. 
right. to live, to, to understand what your values are and to live in a way that reflects those values such that if someone was to mirror you for a day, they wouldn't need to ask what your values are because that, that's the only way that anything changes. It's just a collection of individuals. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm so on board with you with personal responsibility, but because I also work with women, it's mm-hmm. good for me. I actually feel with my mission being healing the relationship between men and women specifically, which needs help and support, right? It needs help and support. So I had to get really humble back in the day, you know, going through my own journey of owning my own stuff in relationships. And so now I help women to understand kind of what we can do differently you know, so you just, you gave a good example, maybe five minutes ago, how men are getting mixed messages with toxic masculinity. Right. And so it must, like, I can't help, but try to understand and have compassion for all of the mixed messages you're getting of like, okay, we're not, we're supposed to be like, it's almost like men are having to just shape shift or just be the nice guy. But then like women are saying like, you're not strong enough. And it's like, whoa, there's a lot going on. So I feel like I, and I talk to women sometimes about this, like what, what are we kind of broadcasting to men? Like we have to kind of take, we have to take ownership of this. So I'm curious to know what, like, how do you feel like women can best support men? Um, Space. I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Give your man space to explore himself, space to be alone space to engage in the things that he does to nourish himself so that he comes back to you uh, with a full cup. Because I think for a man, you know, it's like you could be with the woman that you love most, you know, the woman that you love most, the person that you love most, but you still got to get away from her. Women probably feel that too, but I think maybe it's a little more, uh, it's more real in a, in a, in the life of a man. So permission to, for him to go away. And know that him going away is for you yeah. because it's what he does so that he can become, you know, the best version of himself. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I mean, it, it just from a psychological level, obviously, it kind of goes hand in hand with most men sort of are on the more of quote unquote avoidant side, although I'm not going to like I'm not going to say it's, you know, like a psychological problem. It's just how it is, right? And then women tend to be more on the anxious side just because we like connecting. Oh, there you go. There's a controversial statement. Are you hinting? Are you saying that men and women are, are different? <laughs> I will talk about that all day long because it is true. Yeah, be careful saying that nowadays. I'm not afraid to say it anymore. Maybe a year and a half ago, I was. I, a year and a half ago, I was afraid to even say that I have a mission to heal the relationship between men and women specifically. It took me courage to be able to say that out loud, but it is what it is, you know? It is what it is. Good for you. So yes, men and women are very different and it's in perfect complementary union that we are men and women. Of course we're different. Absolutely. Of course we're different. So this is kind of like a loaded question. I don't mean it to be (laughs) intense, but as a mother who loves my son so, so deeply, and especially as a single mother who's trying to do the best that I can raising my son, um, he's about to turn 13. What advice, if any, no pressure, <laughs> would you give to to someone like me to raise 
him into a good man. I would encourage you if he's about to be 13 to uh, lengthen the leash a bit and to let him go out into the world and get hurt and learn lessons and all of those things where your natural inclination is going to be to protect him from that and, and helicopter around and keep him safe, but you know, to, to let him explore and to let him start to learn his own lessons, to let him start to let him go. Yeah. That makes me sad, <laughs> but it's true. You know, it's, you know, it's really funny is that, yes, I know it's true. And I, I have been trying to do it. Um, and you know, what's really funny is that remember that reminds me of a conversation I had with Michael Bates like a year or two ago. And mm. I asked him the same question. He gave me the same exact answer. Mm. He did. Do you, do you see, I know you don't like to talk about the collective sort of patterns, but I do. And so I see, um, I see this thing where, yeah, mothers who aren't able to do these things, um, it's causing real impacts on, yeah. on boys and not in a good way. So for a long time, I worked in the um, the high schools of LA and South Central and all of the people that got sent, all the kids that got sent to me were boys, of course, like they're the ones, I think I shared that with you in, in my email, but yeah. the, the parent, the mothers were not able to let go. And these poor young men were just so, you could see it. They like had no idea how to do anything really for themselves. Yeah. And it's really sad. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, maybe a lot of them were, they didn't have a male role model around. Um, because I think, you know, it's, it's the mother's responsibility not to let go, to hold on tightly. Uh, but it's the father's responsibility to pull that child unwillingly out of mother's arms. Neither one of them want to separate, but that's what is required to start to develop, you know, an autonomous man. Right. Because mother's care is always so close. And, um, you know, I think a man would then seek that in romantic relationship. And that's not good for him or the woman that he's with. Neither one of them really likes it. It just becomes a compulsion. Right. Okay. Sorry. I'm laughing. I, I might've had an experience. <laughs> okay. I have to ask you this question. I don't know if you have an answer. This is my own personal obsession. So I have to ask you, but how do you feel like men and women can work together together to create a better world, a better reality? Like how can we work together? I think that uh, um, the first thing that comes to mind is to establish in our lives the lost medicine of men being around just men and women being around just women you know that's largely missing and so relationships suffer so i think that one of the most efficient ways to work on relationship is to work on yourself like obviously that's been the theme of this whole conversation um but Speaking from my experience and as a participant in men's work and the work that I facilitate, a quickening happens, a real quickening happens when men are around just men and they're honest about their experience and unfiltered. And you realize that, wow, okay, all of these problems that I thought you were uniquely my own are basically universal experiences of men of my era. And a woman has the same insight. 
And somehow in work with just men, you learn about women, what it might be to be a woman. Somehow, I, I can't even articulate exactly how it happens, but there's a there's a expansion of your perspective and you can imagine what it must be like to be a woman. And you say to yourself, God damn, that must not be easy. What can I, what can I do to make it easier on her? Hmm. And a woman has the same has the same insight, I'm sure, when she's around just women. And I'm sure you'll complain quite a bit about men, the way men complain about women. But at a deeper level, you start to realize, wow, maybe it's not that easy to be a guy. Maybe the way I'm showing up and putting all this stress on him is, God, I've been making his life harder. But I could use my medicine of being a woman to make his life easier. And a man recognizes that I can, I can, I can be a, a man. And I can make her life easier just by the way that I am. And in that way, two people heal one another. And two, one person healing himself, one person healing herself, now they heal each other. And that ripples out. Yes. So okay. how, do we, how do we heal the relationship between men and women? I have no fucking idea. But start <laughs> at the individual level. Right. Start, at the individual. start with yourself. Do your own work. And then look across the dinner table at the man or woman across from you and then start to make, make things easier on them. Yes. Well, beautiful answer that I approve of because I do think that men and women together in union is a deeply healing alchemical container where I could just go on and on about the magic that occurs there. Um, And I feel like we're actually being led in the other direction a little bit, which concerns me, but that's just me being a worry wart. Um, well, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow you to say that. That is not you being a worry wart. That is you having a very accurate read on the way things are and looking into a future that you don't think is useful. So you're doing the work that you can do to spread your message. And God bless you. You're not being a worry wart. Thank you. <laughs> well, some days maybe I worry a little bit too much, but. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of things going on right now that I'm a little concerned about. Um, we don't have to get into that today, but there talk about controversial. There's some things happening. But one thing that I actually forgot to ask you earlier about the program that you're doing, the Masculine Vitality Program, are you talking at all about sexuality, pornography? Um, yeah semen retention, any of that? Yeah, the uh, hormone health and um, libido, sexual virility, testosterone, those are all going to be central themes of the course. And they can all be amplified through lifestyle practices that I already laid out earlier. You know, it's like men are not are, are far less interested in health and wellness than they are in sexual virility and libido. The the fact of the matter is that they're really the same thing. Mm. If your if your testosterone is low or your hormones aren't functioning properly, um, it just means you're not healthy. So if you get healthy, then by extension, you're going to start to optimize all of those uh, bodily functions. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's normalized in in the modern culture that is just crushing testosterone and if I was an evil genius with a master plan to make men easy to govern and manipulate and control 
and I wanted to get away with some really shady shit with nobody like giving me a side eye or saying, yo, we should check this. What I might do is encourage behaviors that minimize testosterone, or I might, I don't know, allow a billion dollar pharmaceutical industry and a billion dollar food industry to market direct to the consumer poisonous substances that would basically deplete virility, masculinity, you know, strength. I might do that. I don't know. So to answer your question, there is going to be a whole bunch of information about how to make sure that your hormone health is optimal. And it's not just about sex. I mean, testosterone is like this hormone that makes struggle feel like life. Like, Mm. yeah, I want, I want to get after it. I want to conquer this mountain. I want to, I want to rise to this challenge. And depleted testosterone is like, uh, I want to hit the snooze button. I want to lay in the covers. I want to eat a cupcake. Uh, I don't want to do anything. Right. I don't like that kind of, <laughs> I don't like that kind of energy. And I can tell you from, you know, all, all the women that I work with that, like, we don't like that <laughs> very much. Of course you don't. Oh, women are in this, like, good, healthy libido and testosterone is, is very attractive because it yeah. communicates capacity to, you know, sire children. Right. Right. That's sire so, children. <laughs> That's that the only thinking. thing I'm thinking about. <laughs> so yes, in the course, there's going to be quite a bit of information around how to optimize hormone function, sexual virility, libido. But the, the real um, benefit of the course is not going to be the information. If you were to just, Let's say a man who's listening wants to sign up for the course and, and just tune in on the 12 calls and take notes and get some information. Okay, great. The real benefit of the course is going to be living the information every day in between our classes. So over the course of 12 weeks, you are now architecting a day, a daily life that is conducive to your vitality. So it's putting the information into practice because most people know this stuff. They just don't do it. Right. But I think they don't do it because there's this lack of understanding around how critical it really is and how profoundly your life, both internally and externally, will change when you make the commitment to putting your health as your first priority. And that's not selfish. That is an act of service. People say, I don't have time to do these things. I got kids. What greater gift could you give your kids than than being raised by a man who is healthy, whole, well, virile, you know, strong, internally directed, you know, that's it. It's you have to put your well-being first because you're useless if you're not. If you're just like the rest of them, then you, you can't change what's going on here. The, the best way to change what's going on here is to uh, once again. Claim on total responsibility for yourself to get yourself together. That's the greatest gift that you can give to your woman. That's the greatest gift you can give to your children. That's the greatest gift that you can give to the world at large. That's the greatest gift you can give to everyone who depends on you. It's the greatest gift you can give to yourself. Yeah. So it's like walking the walk and not just talking the talk and putting it oh, into practice every day. 
especially in this world of health and wellness and in this marketplace of spirituality. There's a whole bunch of talkers. Everybody talks the talk. All you got to do is read a couple of books and you can talk. Walking the walk is a different animal. It I'm, is. I'm trying to cultivate men who are walking the walk. You don't need to talk. You don't need to say nothing. Your presence speaks for you. I was just going to say that, Michael, because I can actually feel it energetically, like the embodiment of it versus like when someone is talking the talk, like there's no substance there. It's hard to explain with words, but I yeah, can feel it. Words. I know exactly what you mean. And I'll tell you what, we talked a bit about ungov- being ungovernable and awakening that kind of internal compass. And when that comes online, you know, this has been my experience you can tell in a snap of a finger the difference between someone who's walking it and someone who's talking it. Yeah. And so I know, I mean, I've, I've found the right teachers and I've, I've studied with them because when I met them, when I feel them, I know that, okay, you're it, you're living it. You got some real medicine for me. And when I meet somebody who's, you know, super successful in this world of, men's work or polarity work or self-development, but they're not really, it's not in their body. I know it right away. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I think more people are getting energetically like attuned to the being able to feel that. So I'm not worried about all those people who are actually out there, like just running their mouth. Cause like people can feel the energetic mastery. I think not everybody, but yeah. Everybody. <laughs> Not everybody, but yeah, I think people more and more. Um, okay, shoot. I had one more thing. Yes, I was gonna ask you what so now I'm actually just getting excited about your program. Is this the first time that you've run it? Yeah, this will be the first time that I've uh, that I'm offering this curriculum. I mean, basically it's what I've been living and what I've been teaching in my one-on-one work for years and years and years. Uh, but I do have an aspiration and I feel a moral imperative to reach as many people as I can because I believe in the work that I offer. I really do. And um, so this is the first step toward really giving guys an option who want to change and do the work to have an option for them because there's only one of me. So in my one-on-one consulting work, it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people that want to work with me. So this is a group class, and then I'm I'm going to teach it probably a few times this year, and then I'm going to have it exist as just a kind of uh, course that a man can have at his disposal and go through at a pace that he sees fit. And also, I want to have this course available as basically a prerequisite to work with me one-on-one. Yeah, oh yeah. I have an expectation that, okay, you better have the basics you not know the basics, but you better be living the basics because if you live the basics, a lot of your problems are going to dissolve. And then when we do engage the work, we can start at the deep end. I love that. I have a program for women too that I actually, I don't require it yet, but I do give it to all my one-on-one women to, that they have to kind of go through. Um, and yeah. so I, I love that too. It actually makes the work so much deeper. They come to you at, a, at another level and then you can really get to the advanced work with them. Um, I, I would, I mean, I think it would be so incredible for you to just have everyone take photos or like the before and after is going to be so incredible. That's a good idea. Yeah. I think I will do that. Yeah. Just like, ah, it's yeah. I'm going to keep my eye on it and see, cause I'm excited and I'll tell all the men that I know. And I appreciate, um, that. 
and all the things. So we'll probably, we'll wrap up soon, but is there anything that you want to share? Like any last words of wisdom? Well, just logistically, I would want to share that if if anybody uh, wants to connect, um, the best thing to do, you alluded to my newsletter earlier, go to my website, savagesaint.com, and then you can sign up for my newsletter and get a few, you know, let a few of them come in. And if you don't dig what I'm saying, then unsubscribe. Uh, But if you do, then it's probably a pretty good indicator that we would get along pretty well and you would vibe with the work. So, and then you can find me on Instagram, Savage and Saint or at Savage and Saint. And uh, yeah, shoot me an email if you're curious and I'm happy to discuss anything with anyone. Um, But no, I would just want to thank you, Leanne. This was a lovely conversation and uh, I really appreciate the invitation. Yeah, it was so good to have you. And for anyone listening, his newsletters are excellent. I'm a woman. I read them. They're not really for me, but um, but that's how I got you on. So yay. (laughs) And yes, it was just such a pleasure. We could probably talk for, for hours. I had to check myself, but I saw myself going down some rabbit holes. So maybe we'll pick a rabbit hole and we'll schedule another chat for some time in the future. Yeah, I would love that so much. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you did, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really, really helps these conversations to get out to more people. I really appreciate it. And if you're someone who needs support with love, sex, and relationships, please reach out. I work with individuals and couples, and I also teach classes and run groups. And so stay in touch. I love talking about all of these topics.